Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about when you draw a blank. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is the 1st of November, 2021. I know I say this every single month, but I really cannot believe we're already in November. Things have been kind of uh, running really fast around here. And this past week has been very busy for our household, very much for me. I had an endoscopy and a colonoscopy this week done at the same time. So that was super fun for me. Um, sarcasm is definitely included on that, but, um, I'm thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for hospitals and having procedures like this where they seem very invasive, not even seem they are very invasive, but hopefully can help get to the bottom of what's going on with you health wise. So that being said, we are going to talk about when you draw a blank this particular week, I've been praying and asking God and asking everyone around me, what should I talk about on my podcast? And almost everyone, not even almost everyone, everyone said, I have no idea. And in my mind, that's exactly what I was thinking because I was drawing a blank. And ironically, my daughter and I were talking about something during synagogue, well, before synagogue started, yes, uh, not yesterday, on Saturday, about um, what an idiom is. And talking about the English language and um, for those of you who don't know, idiom is a language, dialect, or style of speaking peculiar to people. I think it's true for all languages. I think we were discussing how difficult Hebrew was to learn, but English is also right up there. If it's not your native language, it's something that is very difficult to learn And my thought process is because of all of the idioms that we use in our country. And I'm sure that this is true for all countries and all languages. But I know that English is very prevalent. At least American English is very prevalent with these idioms. And that kind of brought me around to, well, are there actually idioms in the Bible? But before we get there, I do need to let you know what the Torah portion of this week is called. It's Toldot. And the Torah portion is Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 to chapter 28, verses 9. And then you have the half Torah portion, which is chapter uh, 1 of Malachi to verses 1 to chapter 2, verses 7. Then you have the Brit Hadasha, which is the New Testament or the Gospels. And you have... Um, that in Romans 9, 6 through 16. What I really love about this particular Torah portion, at least for all three of the different um, books that you're going to, they all are about Jacob and Esau and the seeds of, of Abraham. So I really love when it all comes together and it works out that way. So kudos to whoever it is that does this and made it work out really well. Um But going back to idioms, I know that sounds like a really weird thing to talk about on a messy messianic mama podcast, but I think it's really important because as I was having this conversation with my daughter about idioms and how it can be really difficult for people to learn a language when there are idioms in that language, I think it's true. I almost feel like non-believers 
that's almost what makes it even more difficult for non-believers who, when they open up their Bible, almost like the entire Bible is an idiom. Like, I don't really understand what they're saying here. Like, they're using English words, but I don't understand what the meaning is behind it. A lot of, um, that even goes back to, at least in my mind, is even like the parables of Yeshua. You know, he would tell these parables so that those who needed to believe would, and those that were not ready to believe would hopefully learn later. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting. So with that being said, I do want to go back to idioms because I thought it was very interesting and drawing a blank because drawing a blank is an idiom. And in case you didn't know this, according to English language centers, draw a blank originated in Tudor England when Queen Elizabeth, if only I could speak today, when Queen Elizabeth I set up the first national lottery in 1567. So that particular idiom has been around forever. Um, it has to do with the lotteries that they used to have. Um, for the lottery, there would be two pots. One pot contained slips of paper with the names of all the participants. And then the other pot would contain the same number of slips. But some of the bits of paper had prizes written on them. And others had nothing written on them and were blank. So one slip of paper was pulled from each pot at the exact same time. And if the person matched with the prize, then they would win the prize. However, if the person's name was drawn with a piece of paper with no writing, then they wouldn't win anything. Thus, drawing a blank. We use it today in, in the English language when you can't remember something. Like, I don't remember what I was going to say. I just, I just drew a blank. Um, I have no idea what it was I was, I was thinking. Uh, I walked into this room and I'm drawing a blank because I can't remember why I walked into this room. So um, at least for me, that's how I use that particular idiom. But some really great ones that I actually found from uh, improvingyourenglish.com where they gave examples and I went back to my Bible because you know, I like my tree of life version and I wanted to see because they did it based off of a lot of these were either the uh, NIV or the King James version. And I wanted to see if it was true um, for the tree of life version as well. And, uh, and yeah, all of these idioms are very much uh, around the same. They all actually agree. Cause you know, sometimes with different uh, translations, they translate them differently, so there's different words. Um, not so with this one. So one of the first ones, I've used a couple of idioms in my previous podcasts. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is scapegoat. Scapegoat is someone who is made to bear the blame for others. Uh, great example of that, Yom Kippur, right? They would have one of the lambs who would take on, would, would represent all the sins of the people of Israel, and they would be sent out. And then they'd have the one that was a sacrifice. And um, you'll find that in Leviticus 16, 9 through 10. And it says, He is to sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanliness of Benai Israel. When he's finished atoning for the holy place, a ton of meeting and the altar, then he is to present the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over all the iniquities of Benai Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. He shall place them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat will carry all their iniquities by itself into a solitary land 
and he is to leave the goat in the wilderness. Another one that um, I've used is the writing is on the wall. It's a biblical idiom, which means something bad is about to happen or there is no way for something to succeed. You find that in Daniel 5. It's, it's a whole story about it. You know, um, handwriting appears on a wall during the king's feast and Daniel's interpretation of the writing correctly predicts the king's demise. Bite the dust. That means to fail or stop existing. You can find that in Psalms 72, 9 where it says, let desert dwellers bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. Um, which is interesting because it says the same thing in King James. So evidently that's where that comes from. If anyone else has a, a better uh, one, let me know if they could find a, a better place where they could find that particular idiom. Another one is by the skin of your teeth. If you do something by the skin of your teeth, you only just succeed. You find that in Job's, Job 19.20. And it says, my bones cling to my skin and my flesh. I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. A drop in the bucket is a small, inadequate quantity or insignificant contribution towards a larger problem. You can find that in Isaiah 40, 15, which says, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and count as a speck of dust on the scales. Are you seeing the pattern that I'm trying to show you here? Um, no rest for the wicked. Usually said as a joke or suggesting that because you're wicked or have done bad things, you have to work hard. That one is uh, interesting as well. I don't know why. Um, I put... It's interesting. I didn't actually put down the verse for this, but I actually have it on my Bible uh tabbed. So it's actually Isaiah 57, 20, 21. It says, but the wicked are like a troubled sea for it cannot rest and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no shalom or peace says my God for the wicked. These are all very interesting ones that I actually didn't necessarily know were from the Bible. So this is kind of a learning experience for me, but there's kind of a theme here. When you simply say the idiom, like no rest for the wicked or by the skin of your teeth or a drop in the bucket or an eye for an eye or can a leopard change his spots or nothing but skin and bones. It's difficult for us to understand what that means unless we understand the context that they're talking about, which is why instead of just telling you this is kind of what the idiom means. I also take you to where it comes from in the word. So you have an understanding of where I'm coming from, right? Um, at your wit's end, someone who's at their wit's end is in a state where they have no patience left. So that's in Psalms 107:27. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. So you have a better understanding once you come to where the context is. And I think that's really important. I think that's something that universally, uh, the body of believers, we really mess up a lot of times. Um, we like something that the Bible says and we take it out of context and expect people to 
understand what we're talking about. When the reality is just because this one little sentence says what you like, when you take it out of its actual context, you learn, you, you lose the meaning behind what the word is telling you. And you know, what's really crazy is I actually had no idea where I was going with this podcast until just now. (laughs) Um, I think it goes back to even where Peter in the New Testament has the dream. I'm sure I've discussed this before. Um, If you're a Messianic believer, you know where I'm going with on this. Um, But Peter has a dream. And he dreams that he's allowed to start eating all these things. All these things that... um, That are not kosher. And being a Jewish man, um, he's never eaten anything that's not kosher. And you find this in Acts 10 and talking about a man named Cornelius, who was a centurion. And he was a devout man who revered God and all of his household did as well. He gave money to the poor and he prayed to God continually. And then Peter has a vision and he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing a meal where he was at, he fell into a trance and he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet coming down, lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all sorts of four-footed animals and reptiles and birds of the air. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, certainly not, Lord, for never have I eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, you must not consider unholy. This happened three times and the sheet was immediately taking up to heaven. Now, most Christian believers stop there and they say, okay, this is what it meant. It meant that we are allowed to eat whatever we want now, because that's what this vision says. In fact, I was one of those believers. My husband and I had this conversation when he was just learning, because remember he grew up as an atheist had none of the preconceived notions that I had. And if you continue reading, it talks about how Peter was trying to figure out what the vision might mean and men who were sent by Cornelius found his house and said we need to see Peter and while Peter was still thinking about the vision the spirit the ruach said to him three men are looking for you but get up go downstairs and go with them without hesitating because I myself have sent them so Peter goes down to the men And he says, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by all the Jewish people, was directed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear a message from you. So Peter invited them in to be his guests. And the next day he got up and went with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day he entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. 
As Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up, saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found many people gathered. He said to them, You yourselves know that it is not permitted for a Jewish man to associate with a non-Jew or to visit him. Yet God has shown me that I should call no one unholy or unclean. So I came without objection when I was sent for. This is the crux of the matter. He came without, with no objection when he was sent for. And God showed him that he should call no one unholy or unclean. This is a great example of where we get the context incorrect because we want to eat bacon and we want to eat things that are lovely. I'm not going to lie. I miss lobster. I miss shrimp. I grew up on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I ate seafood. I miss my clam chowder. But you know what? I also don't miss the attacks I would get in my body from eating those things. I would have a physical reaction when eating those things. The last time I ate clam chowder, I got very, very sick. And I think that that even if you don't have a physical reaction to these things, God is very clear in his word what you should and should not eat. Now, if you don't feel convicted and you feel like, well, that's not what it means to me, be it on your head. I'm not going to judge you. I have family members who still enjoy themselves lots of things that are not kosher. But I'm telling you what the word of God says. And I'm telling you that we as a hum- as human beings, all of us, need to be very careful about how we are reading the word of God and making sure that we do not take things out of context. The vision was not about food. It was about going to the Gentiles, Peter being a Jewish man and preaching the word to the Gentiles and letting them know what Yeshua, who Yeshua was, is, and to believe in him, how to believe in him and walk with him the rest of your days. Honestly, was not planning on going there at all. Um, the last idiom I had for uh, you today was lamb to the slaughter. Like a lamb to the slaughter. It's when people would sacrifice animals. It goes back to a time when obviously people would sacrifice to animals. And a lamb would obediently follow unaware of its impending fate. Kind of like you think about like the scapegoat, another idiom, right? The scapegoat had no idea that it was going to be stuck in the wilderness, you know, and, and all the sins of Israel would be placed upon it. Um, but if you go to Jeremiah eleven nineteen, there's actually two places it talks about a lamb to slaughter. The first one is Jeremiah eleven nineteen, and it says, but I was like a gentle lamb led to slaughter. I did not know they had devised plots against me. Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living so that his name will be no more remembered. But the most important one that um, they talk about a lamb to the slaughter, leading a lamb to the slaughter, is Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Now, obviously, um, if you are a Messianic believer, even some Christian believers may know that um, Isaiah 53 is not one of those uh, chapters 
that goes into the Torah portions for the Jewish people because it is a prophecy about Yeshua. He fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah 53 to a T. And part of that is being a lamb led to slaughter. He did not protest when he was arrested. He did not protest when he was taken in front of Pontius Pilate, in front of the Jewish uh, leaders. He allowed them to take him, to tie him up, and to crucify him on the cross for us. And if you take that out of context, you miss the complete meaning of Isaiah 53. If you don't have an understanding of what's going on in Isaiah 53, you cannot possibly understand what Yeshua did for us on the cross. He's just another guy dying on a cross if you don't have the Old Testament. And that's why I say it's so important for you to understand context and understand not even just portions of the Bible, but as much as possible. And the only way we can do that, right, is to read it for ourselves. And so that's something, once again, I'm going to encourage you to do, encourage myself to do, because I need to read the word more often than I do. A lot of times I end up just listening to my Bible plan on my phone in the mornings. And that's the only Bible that I get. And I need to be more consistent with actually opening the word. Um, it was funny, even... <laughs> <laughs> um, this afternoon when I was just even looking at, I wanted to look up Bible verses. I was like, man, this would be a lot easier if I had my Bible next to me. And he looked at my phone and I was like, you know, and I, I know you love technology, but for me, I really need to open up actual paper, you know, on you know, the word of God. My, my Bible app is awesome. And it's super helpful, especially when I'm just looking up, um, you know, you look up bravery, courage, fear, anxiety, and the Bible app will take you exactly where you need to go in the Bible for that. But sometimes it's really nice to just open up the actual word of God and have it in your hand and being able to turn the pages. Um, for me, that helps me be able to really have a better understanding of what I'm reading. Now, as I do every single week, I leave you with Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. And this is the Aaronic Benediction. Um, it's what Adonai told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you, you are to bless Israel. And I think it is the one of the most powerful prayers, if not the most powerful prayer in the entire Bible. And there's a reason that there's a song called The Blessing. Um, it is beautiful. And it is something that you should pray over your family, over your household, over everyone and anyone. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. I pray you have a great week. Hopefully what I said made sense. Um, I realized it was kind of random. Um, welcome to my brain. But I feel like the spirit kind of led me to where it wanted me to go. Because I was not planning on talking about context at all. And yet that's where I, I evidently ended up with uh, drawing a blank to idioms to context. So I hope that you enjoyed the mess that is uh, 
my mind thought process and how the Holy Spirit uh, talks to me. But um, I also want you to know, I know I'd spoken about uh, hearing, listening to the voice of Adonai. I said I was going to talk a little bit more about that the next time about hearing the voice of Adonai. But if you go back to that podcast, you'll actually find that I said if I didn't have time, I would um, go ahead and do just hearing the voice of Adonai as my next podcast. Um, but I actually ended up being able to throw what I wanted to say about hearing the voice of Adonai into that podcast. So I hope you enjoyed. You actually kind of got two podcasts and one last week and have a great week guys and enjoy this beautiful fall weather. I myself am enjoying it. North Carolina doesn't normally necessarily give me fall weather, but this year it is. And hallelujah. Thank you, Yeshua. May you have a blessed week and I'll be back here next week. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is in Echo, L is in Lemur, Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, the number three at ProtonMail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Eric LaCasse, and it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.